Good morning. Welcome Northwest Community Church. It's so awesome to see everyone here today. One of the most daunting tasks that I've ever come to do is to, is to do a sermon series on prayer. Probably one of the biggest, biggest disciplines that I personally fight with and I first personally wrestle with is the issue of prayer. Many of you can sit there and say, you know, I really struggle with maybe sharing my faith. That's a discipline that I don't actively do. And maybe someone can say, you know, I really struggle in my prayer life. Here's what I know. I know that there are a lot of people that I have counseled over the years that have never said, I have a problem, pastor. I pray too much. I've never encountered that. Or, you know, I just need to spend more time doing other things because I just spend too much time in God's presence. I don't really have that, uh, that, those conversations. And so back in October, I was not speaking for two weeks, and I just said, Lord, I want to I wanna prepare our message series for the entire uh, year, all the way from now until August. And the Lord led me, said, you know, I, I really feel led to, to do a message series on prayer. And then as we got closer and closer to that, I had a conversation with the staff, and when challenged and asked about the, uh, the series on prayer, there were some questions that I could not answer. I need you to know that I think that they were, I could not answer them, and I just want to be very honest with you, because Matt, I am a doer, and I wake up in the morning ready to go do things for the Lord and ready to help and do those things, and I really, really feel like the Lord was saying, listen, Matt, I just want you to be with me. I want you to be satisfied, and I want you to sit there, and I want you to listen and talk to me. I don't want you to do things for me right now. I want you to listen and be in my presence. Because when you are that, when you are there, everything changes. Your obedience to me and to the word will be so much richer and so much purer. And yeah, you have the responsibility of being the teaching pastor at a church, but you first have been called to sit under my wings. And I'm inviting you to do that. And I felt like that as I was coming and approaching this series, back in October that it was a bunch of messages on prayers in the Bible that we could learn from, that we could apply, and hopefully it would turn us into a people and place of prayer. Until the Lord said, before you get up and teach on that, I want you to be that. Then on December the 13th, Shane died. Shane was in a car accident, he was a pastor, he's a fireman, he's a husband, he's a dad, and he's a believer. And he was my college roommate. 47 years old, went left of center, head on collision, December the 3rd. On December the 13th, God was finished with him and he passed away. And as I sat and thought about us and where I believe God wants us to go, on December the 18th, as I sat at Shane's funeral, I sat there and I wept like a baby. Because I remember sitting as a sophomore in college with this sophomore from Traveler's Rest, South Carolina, who was my roommate. You understand, I'm from South Windsor, Connecticut, and Traveler's Rest, South Carolina is rural, rural South Carolina outside of Greenville. That is culture shock, ladies and gentlemen. And I remember that I was barely spending 15 minutes alone with God per week. It was not a discipline of my life, but that wasn't shame. I mean, seriously, I would get up, go eat breakfast, I love breakfast, and then run to class with a hat on, and God say, God, thank you for today, I just pray that you'll just help me have a good day, amen, and that was about it. And I remember waking up 
when I was a sophomore, and I'd wake up and I was like, what in the world is that alarm going off for? It's just 6.45. Class doesn't begin until 8. We both had an 8 o'clock class, and I look over, and I see Shane, and Shane is on his knees beside his bed. The word of God opened, and next to it was a hymnal. And I see him crying out to God like, wow, he really believes that God is right in front of him. And I thought, wow, that's, that's pretty convicting. And then Tuesday came, and it was the same. And Wednesday came, and Thursday came, and Friday came, and Saturday came, and it was the same thing. And it was the second semester, and it was May, and we're getting ready to finish, and the guy is still doing it. And I'm at the funeral, and I'm in the funeral line, and I'm looking at his brother, and I'm like, listen to me. I have never seen someone in my life who just was committed to being in the presence of God, like your brother. He said, he said, Rass, real traveler, he said, it kind of freaked you out, didn't it? He said, I'm his brother. It freaked me out because he did it all the time. I was like, so things have changed, I think, for the good because I believe and I stand here humbly to say that I think that the God of the universe and the God of creation has extended an invitation to me and to you into his presence like never before. And I'm asking you to dream with me of what that would look like in our church. To not be satisfied with not being in his presence when he has simply said, I want you to come and I want you to sit at my feet. I don't want you to do anything for me. I just want you to be with me. And everything else falls into place and everything else comes together. So what, what do we see in the scriptures? Where, where, where do we go? God brought me to Isaiah 55, one through three. And that's where we're going to be. We need to do a little work before we get there. Because it's, it's incredibly fun to get an invitation in the mail. You get an invitation, it's a birthday invitation, it's a wedding invitation. You get an invitation and I'm just telling you, that's just, in, it's beautiful. You get to see it, you get to go to the party, it's fun. You get to be a part of those things. Whether it's a wedding invitation or whether it's come to someone's house. The Bible is full. It's absolutely full of times where King Jesus invites his people, his disciples, to say, I just want you to come. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says this, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, come to me, and what he'll do? I will give you rest. My presence is enough for you to rest. Luke 19, one through nine, this one's not on the screen, but Luke 19, one through nine, is the story of Zacchaeus, who was a, oh my gosh, you're so good, a wee little man. And so he's a wee little man and he's up in a tree and Jesus looks at him and says, hey Zacchaeus, you come down. He gives him an invitation, he comes down. Now I don't want you to just come down and see what I can give you. I want you to come down and I want you to be with me. And in John 15, four, he says, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you will bear much fruit. There's an invitation that we make our home in God, that we abide in him, that we rest in him, that we sit in his presence. In our text today, Isaiah 55, verses 1 through 3, just three verses are, I believe, what could possibly be one of the greatest invitations of God in the scriptures, considering the time by which it was written. Isaiah 55, this is the prophet Isaiah, and the time that this was written was 700 years before Christ would come into the world. 
And so Isaiah 53, verses 4 through 6, we read this at Christmas Eve service. This is a, a, a text that we read a lot at Christmas. But here's what it says. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That is 700 years. You know this. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. This is a prophecy that our redemption is coming, that God is going to fulfill his promise by sending us a rescuer. And we do that and celebrate that at Christmas. And that's what it says. And then Isaiah 54, the prophet goes on the next chapter. There's a verse that I will read to you. It says this. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your offspring will possess the nations and will, and will people the desolate cities. Meaning, this is what's going to take place. This is what's going to happen, is that all of the nations would know who you are because of your redemption that is coming. All of the nations are going to know who you are. And then in chapter 55 of, of Isaiah, we come to it. He says, okay, now that we have redemption, we have it. It's coming. 700 years from now, you can, you can take it to the bank. It's coming. It's, it's Jesus. It's him in the flesh. And then Isaiah, through the inspiration of God, writes these words. And this is what he says in Isaiah 55. It's a great, one of the greatest invitations we could ever see. He says this, come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. That's just verse one right there. One of the first things that we can see about this invitation is simply this. You do not get an invitation to come somewhere if you are already there. What is taking place right now is that through the inspiration, he's looking at the people and he's saying, listen to me, I want you to come and I want you to come get this water. What it means is you're not in the place where you can get water. You're not in the place where you're satisfied. You were in the desert. I need you to know that you have positioned your place, you have positioned yourself in a place that does not satisfy. And so I'm giving you an invitation to come where you can get satisfied. He says it four times. He says four times, he says, hey, I want you to come. In essence, where you are in life and where you are positioned, you do not get what you need. Northwest, in regards to the presence of God in your life, are you positioned right now to be able to see and savor all that he is? In regards to the presence of God in your life, God's presence in you, which is available to all of us. Are you positioned to see and to savior, savor all that he is? I'd ask you a question. Is it your work-life balance? I'm gonna wake up in the morning, I'm gonna run to his presence room, it's gonna wake up in the morning and I'm going to just get right into the emails and the, and the text messages. Let me ask you a question. Is it your friend group holding you back? I'd even ask, that's not just for the students, that's for all of us right now. I would ask, do the people that we regularly gather with, and let, let me ask this, the people that we regular, regularly gather with, are we sharing our faith more or are we sharing our faith less? 
because of those that we gather with. Maybe this, maybe this. Is it simply because you're just not a disciple at all? The invitation, whatever and wherever we are, is, hey, I want you to come right now. You're not where you need to be. And listen to me right now. I've been there. Is it a sin that is robbing you of, the, of his presence because of guilt and not wanting to go to his presence because of that sin that is so easily ensnaring you? And I need you to know that God knows exactly what it is that's robbing you of his presence, that's holding you back from experiencing his presence. He knows exactly what it is, and the invitation is still, come, come drink. You might be in the desert right now. You might be in the desert of your marriage or your work or whatever the case might is, but he's sitting there and he's saying, listen to me, listen to me. I've got this great drink of water I want to give to you right now. You could live a long time without food, but you can't go a long time without water, and I need you to know, come, those that are thirsty. The beautiful thing about this is he looks in this verse, if you look at this verse, he says, come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And then he says this, and he who has no money. So let me tell you, he's looking at us right now and he says, listen, you are broke and you are thirsty and I need you to recognize, come to drink this water. It's free. It's free. I have what you need. So in, gar- in regards to our prayer life, in, gar- in regards to the prayer life, you're not where you want to be. Maybe you are. Maybe you're not. I approached this lesson, I approached this message series, and I can tell you this right now, without any hesitation and vulnerability, that I am not. I could sit there and say that I was not. And I am trying to address that myself in my life. I don't want to extend an invitation to you of, 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 of a place that I am not. And I'm looking right now and seeing this text and seeing the invitation that the invitation is to everyone and no one is left out. What is the offer? That's the question. What, what does the God of the universe, what does he offer? First thing he offers, he offers us this water. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He appeals to those with the most basic human need, as I said. If we take a look at what Jesus said, Jesus says, I am the fount of living water. He who drinks of me will never thirst again. That's what Jesus said when he came onto the scene and John we know that Psalm 23 says, the good shepherd, he leads me beside still waters and he restores my soul. So he's sitting there and he's saying, hey, listen, I want you to come to me and I want you to come to me and thirst and drink, drink of this water that is offered to you. So he gives us this water and this water is there for us so that we might be able, we might be able to have our thirst quenched, have our thirst quenched. Then he, then he looks at us and he says, hey, there's, there's something else for you too. It's this, it's this milk. He looks at it and he says, come by milk and wine. And let me just say this right now. He just said it was free. And then he uses the word buy. The word buy in the original language is really to break. It's like breaking a fast. It's not something that is earned. Our English word, there's not really a good word for it. Really what he's saying this right now is, what I want you to do is I want you to be broken of not being in the presence of God. I want it to be broken to where you can come and you can feast and you can eat and you can drink. And you can have joy. So he says, hey, I want you to have this water. Then in, then in the next part of the verse, he says, I want you to have this milk. And we know that 
for most of the first year of a child's life, they are nourished and strengthened and they grow because of milk. Milk is for your growth. And so when God, the God of the universe is saying, hey, I've got an invitation for you. I want you to come and I want you to drink this water. But not only that, I want you to be nourished. I want you to be refreshed. But I simply want you to grow. I don't simply want you to be the same. I don't want you to be the same. And then there's, uh, um, uh, there's wine. Now, some of you need to simmer down here. He offers wine. And so, listen, listen. There is, there is wine. And so, what does is, what is the wine represent? Wine represents joy. Understand that we are in the presence of God. When you're in the presence of God and you are filled with the Spirit of God, you cannot sin. Certainly, we can abuse wine. Certainly, we can abuse it. But what he's saying is that we're in the presence of God and we are filled with God's spirit. And when you're filled with God's spirit and walking in God, you're not going to sin. So we know that we can enjoy wine and not abuse wine. And even in this analogy right here, he uses this, even though it's dangerous to give wine to those that are sinful. We know that it is there for us to remember that God is saying, yes, I want you to be nourished. And yes, I want you to grow. And yes, I want you to just enjoy life. I want you to enjoy. That's the invitation that he's saying. Well, here's a quote for you by John Piper. He says, wine is a powerful image, an exhilarating beverage that is God's idea. And like others of his best gifts, not without its serious and documented dangers in the hands of sinners. It's difficult to abuse water. Some may abuse milk, cream. Many abuse wine, and yet God incurs the risk to make his point dazzle. The wine shows us not just that he gives life, but the kind of God that he is. So he's sitting here saying, listen, what do I want for you? What do I want for you? I want you to be joyful in your life. I want you to have nourishment. I want you to grow. I want you to be nourished. I want you to be, to be quenched. I want you to have this water. I want you to have this wine. I want you to have this, this milk. And so he talks to this group in verse 1 that they're broken, thirsty, but he also goes to another group in verse two about the invitation. And the, the second group in verse two are those that are really self-sufficient. They're, they're relying upon themselves. And so here's what it says in verse two. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and you labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. So, so here's what we have. We have nothing in verse one. We don't have anything, okay? We're broke. And we're thirsty. And he says, I want you to come. Then he looks at us and says, hey, listen, some of you are out there right now. You're using your money and you're spending it on things that really don't matter and will not satisfy. New clothes, new car, new house, new spouse or the idea of a new spouse. Higher, bigger vacation, new vacation, new home, new, new career, a new job, whatever the case might be. You're looking for all of those things. You're putting your effort and your focus on those things. He said, it's really, it's really a rhetorical question. He sends out the invitation for those that are relying on themselves to sit there and say, I recognize that this will never satisfy, cannot satisfy. Why should I spend my time in things that do not complete or satisfy me? A very important theological question is, have you had a steak at Harris Teeter versus a steak at the butcher's market? The butcher's market, obviously on Kildare Farm Road over there in Cary, is absolutely unbelievably delicious. You can actually cook that yourself, and it is even, it's, it's delicious. Cooked medium. 
Um, but when you have a stake and you compare those two things to Harris Teeter versus the butcher's market, I would let you know that it doesn't even compare. No offense to Harris Teeter or anywhere else. What I'm saying right now is he is giving an analogy right now. Why in the world would you, satis- why in the world would you settle for something that does not, cannot, or never will satisfy? It is simply, it is simply what I'm offering you right now. Stop wasting your time. Stop wasting your time. And accept this invitation to come to me. The next part of the verse goes on like this. The last part of the verse two describes the quality and the quantity of these benefits of water, milk, and wine. It says, listen diligently to me. He's sitting there saying, okay, he asks a question. He's not really looking for an answer. Then he says, listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. The word good means that what God offers is of the best quality. There is nothing like it. It's the best there is. And the word rich means fatness, which means there is plenty to go around. We will never run out. We will never run out. Psalm 65, 11 says, you, you crown the year with your bounty. Your wagon tracks overflow with abundance. Here is what he's saying to us right now. Is he's looking at us and he's declaring to us right now that I need you to know that what I'm offering you right now, what I'm, what I'm, what I'm giving to you right now is something that will satisfy you. Please don't turn your back on it. Come into my presence and see that. Number three, he gives us another. Um, he says, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you, number verse three, I want you to incline your ear. So I want you to listen. I want you to wake up. I want you to see exactly who it is that I am. Incline your ear. Hear me. He implores them. It's an imperative. And then he says something radically different than he does in the first verse. He says, incline your ear and come to me. Wait a second. I just thought in verse 1 he said, I want you to come to the water and drink of the water. That's exactly what he said. And in verse 3 he changes or he actually identifies what the water is, excuse me, who the water is, who the wine is, and who the milk is. He says, incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. It is an absolute declaration right here in the text that he's sitting there saying to you, listen to me, I'm inviting you to come, not simply to have physical water or physical milk or physical wine. I'm letting you know that I am the wine, I am the milk, and I am the water. That's who I am. And my invitation is for you to come and sit right here at me because I will satisfy every single one of your needs. I will take care of you. I, I was blown away by this verse. And then he goes on to make it even another promise. He says, he says he's demonstrating, he's declaring that I am God. He, I am God and this is what I offer. He is the water, he refreshes the soul. He is the milk, he strengthens all who come to him. He is the wine. He, and he alone, is the joy of life. And then also he comes and he says, I'm gonna give you a promise. And here's the promise. I will make you with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast. Sure love for David. He basically gives an analogy of the covenant that he made with David, knowing that David, through, through the line of David, comes King Jesus. I made a promise that Jesus would come through the line of David, and what I'm doing to you right now is David is a king after God's own heart. What he's saying right now is, I am simply giving you an invitation to sit at my feet and at my presence to feast and to eat on something that satisfies you that I believe, in my opinion, will radically and drastically change Northwest Community Church and our, prayer, and our commitment to prayer individually and corporately. 
I believe it'll happen. I think the question has to, ask, has to be, and, and with our time left, is sitting there saying, what do, what do I do with this? What do I do with all of this? If I look at this promise, I look at this invitation, if I look at how he has invited us to come, what, what do I do? What do I do? First of, all, first of all, you come to him. First of all, you come to him. Simply, simply put right now, some of you might be sitting in here and you simply do not know King Jesus. You know about him, you don't know him. And I would beg you and I would implore with you to say, I would ask you, say yes to him. Say yes to the invitation for you to become a disciple of him, not a convert. Converts fill a church. Disciples change the world. And that's what we want to be about. We want to be about changing the world. Don't you want to dedicate yourselves to something that really matters? And what he's saying is, I want you to come here. I want you to eat of this. I want you to recognize that it is me and all of me that gives you what you desperately need. Whether you are self-sufficient and have a lot of money or whether you are broke and have nothing. At the end of the day, you both are thirsty. And I do not want you to, get, to try to be satisfied by something that will not satisfy you. That's the invitation to come to him. And so those that are far, those that are come, those that are, those that are far, those that might be not as far, he says, I want you to come. God is not a thing to be studied. He is a person to be experienced. He's food, he is life, and he is joy. And let me tell you something, there is no one like him. There is no one like him. I think, what do we do? I think we're, we're okay to come into his presence and okay to be okay with silence. It's okay to be okay with just sitting with God in silence. Embrace the truth that prayer is not something that we master, but it's an act that forms us. It's not something that we master, it is something that forms us. I need us to make sure that we understand right now that we are not our politics, we're not our possessions, we're not our failures, we're not our successes. We're none of those. What are we? We are disciples of the most high God. That's who we are. So my, my question is, is, would you dream with me a little bit and ask the question, what would our church look like if we collectively said, God, I accept your invitation and I want to be more like you. I want to sit at your feet. I want to understand you. I want to know you. I want to, I want to be in your presence. What would it look like? I believe there would be more people in the word I believe there would be more people sharing their faith. I believe there would be more people saved this year than ever before. More people able to discern God's will for their lives. More men leading and loving their families like they can. More women leading and loving like they can. I believe that there would be more marriages restored. And I believe without a shadow of a doubt that there would be more people praying to King Jesus on a regular basis because of sitting in the presence of the Most High God. And that's where I want to be. And that's where I want us to be. This is not New Year's resolution. This is an experience of looking at who in the world God is and understanding that his arms are open and his invitation is extended to everyone who says, I need some help. And if we're all honest, that's all of us. And the cool thing about it is he gets the title God because he can answer all of the needs. The church can't, but God can Whatever it is that you're struggling with, whatever it is that you are so wrapped up in, ensnared by, whatever it is, we call him God because he can answer and satisfy all things. And he is the one who gave us his son to make that real. Answering the invitation, number one, it's, gonna, it's costly, so consider it carefully. 
answering the invitation. It is urgent, so make it soon. Listen to me. I'm going to beg you right now. If there is a time where you sit there and say, I'm not walking with the Lord, I want to actually just rededicate my focus to him. I pray that today during the first song that you would do that. If you're here today and you don't know King Jesus, I'm just going to ask you. Find someone. Ask him about it. I'm going to be in the back. I'm going to be standing in the back. If you simply sit there and say, Matt, I know about him, but I don't know him personally. I really want to know him and have a relationship with King Jesus. I'd ask you to do that and do so urgently. And it's worth it. And so you're never going to regret it. It's costly, so consider it carefully. It's urgent, so make it soon. And it is worth it, and you will never regret it. April 3rd, 1983, I made that decision, and I can honestly tell you right now, I've never regretted that decision in my entire life. This is a verse that I've been praying as we close right now. This is a verse that I've been praying over us. I've been praying this for myself. I'm trying to memorize it. I'm terrible at memorizing. I think I wrote this 10 times yesterday, just writing it down, trying to get it down for me. I'm going to read it for you. It's on the screen. But this is a declaration that I would hope that we might have together as we simply understand the invitation to his presence. Just let's be in his presence. We talk a lot about living on mission. We talk a lot about going and sharing our faith. We talk a lot about those things. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to be satisfied and, 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 and hungry for the presence of the living God that we've been invited to be involved in. And here's a verse for us. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell others of all your good works. The last part of the verse does not happen without the first two. This entire verse doesn't happen until we understand that the greatest invitation has been given by the God of the universe who made himself known through Jesus so that we could know who he is, know our purpose in life, and live for him fully, fully satisfied, fully, fully um, our thirst quenched, our hunger met, growing in strength, and having the joy of the Christian life that he promised we could have that is po possible and available to all who call upon his name. I love our church. I'm excited about encountering the presence of God in 2020 and excited about the presence of God through this next, next year and this next month specifically. There are obstacles for us to get there. Next week we'll talk about the obstacles of getting into the presence of God and being involved in him and being with him and being known by him and, being known and knowing him. Next week, we'll talk about that. For this week, my prayer is that you would never, ever um, forget that there is a loving God in heaven who has invited you into his presence and that you would step into his presence. Because I know you, we will never be the same if we do that. I love you guys. Let's pray. Lord, I love you and I thank you for who you are. I thank you that we have an opportunity to answer an invitation to come to you. I thank you that this invitation has been given to you, given, to, given by you to us. I thank you that we can sit here at this moment and we can sing in response to who you are. 
I pray, God, for all of those that are in here right now, whether it is, man, I just don't hear you, God. I've been a believer for a long time. Maybe there are people in here right now that, don't, that are just struggling with one thing or the other. And maybe there are people in here right now that just simply don't know you. They just simply know about you. I pray that today, God, you would speak loudly. Hearts would be open through the power of your Holy Spirit. And we would respond. And we would respond in faith to who you are and to the life that we can have. I love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.